Well, good morning. Thanks for joining us. If you're joining us online, we're glad you're doing that. Um, probably most of you know, but that is Daniel, and that's his wife, Kelsey, uh, doing vocals and, and um, keyboard. And as my wife and I hope, try to throw our name in the hat to lead worship. And actually, it would be me and my trombone and her on vocals, and we actually pulled the staff together, and, and it was unanimous. They decided to go with Daniel and Kelsey on that. If that ever happens, if we're leading worship, then the message will be on hell that follows it right after, because I think that will motivate people. This is what it's like, people. It's an eternity of this. If that doesn't get somebody in the kingdom, I don't know what will. This fall, uh, somebody uh, gave me two tickets to the UNL uh, football game. And so my son Drew and I went, and it was a, a TV game, so there's all kinds of commercials, TV commercials, and so they're forever introducing people because these TV commercials at, at the stadium. And on this particular uh, TV commercial, they introduce Eric Crouch, who was a quarterback at the University of Nebraska, and in 2001, he won the Heisman Trophy, and he took Nebraska to the national championship game. They ended up losing, but uh, as soon as he gets introduced, the crowd comes to its feet because a great one is among us. And, and most people would, Husk, if you're a Husker fan, you would say that. This man was outstanding. That was, a, that was an appropriate response for Eric being in the house in Memorial Stadium. Well, what we're talking about with Jesus' birth is God coming to the house, if you will, if I can run with that metaphor, to be among us. Well, if it's a Heisman Trophy gets, gets a, a standing ovation, uh, uh, what kind of impact should Jesus living among us have? Well, I want us to think about that this morning. So if you've got a Bible, if you'd open it to Matthew 3, go, go through the first 12 verses, wrestling with that question, uh, what kind of impact should Jesus' choice to live us, what kind of impact Jesus' choice to live among us should that have? Uh, Daniel mentioned that uh, this is a time often, not everybody, but we often think of the new year as kind of a reset in life, and we're going to we're going to, to develop some resolutions and to think about what do we want to be different and, and what could be. And, and so I, with that in mind, I chose this passage because I think um, John the Baptist helps us reset and, and, and kind of craft those resolutions in light of the fact that Jesus did live among us. It says, uh, verse 1 says, Now in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, and I want to stop there, John the, the Baptist. Why, why did he get named that? Well, in John's day, uh, individuals would baptize themselves. Um, certain sects, religious sects, for, for a, a cleansing ritual would baptize themselves. Uh, Greeks or Gentiles who converted to Judaism were proselytes. They, they would baptize themselves. But what's different about John is he's going to baptize other people. And I think this is a foreshadowing of the baptism service we talked about. And I'll, I'll develop that as, as we go through. But he gets the name John the Baptist because he was baptizing other people. Verse 2, here's his message. Repent, 
for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John's message is pretty simple. Repent. What does that mean? It literally means turn around. Do a 180. Go in the opposite direction. But what specifically did he have in mind? Well, for 400 years, Israel, God's chosen people, had not had a prophetic word. In other words, God, if you look at your Old Testament, you'll see Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Zephaniah and Zechariah and, and Micah. And who are all these people? They are people specifically anointed by God to speak for him. And that happened over a 1,000 or 1,500-year period. But for the last 400 years, God had not spoken a word to Israel through a prophet. Why? Because they were so rebellious, they were pushing back so much, God said, fine, I'll step back. You can live the choices of your rebellion against me. You choose to ignore me, fine, I'll, I'll let you make that choice. But, but God is not going to go that way forever. And now he's going to do an act that had never been done. He's going to send his son to take on human flesh. He would be born of a virgin. We celebrated that at Christmas. He would spend 30 years really working a trade as a carpenter, and then he would step out for three years in public ministry. And before he stepped out, John the Baptist went to prepare the people, get ready, turn around, because God is going to do a significant work among you. Those of you who can remember and maybe those of you who are in the, this stage of life, think about having a serious girlfriend or boyfriend. I'll, I'll go with the girlfriend because the metaphor won't fit. You've got an apartment that you keep. You're, you're living this. You know this, Luke. And, and your apartment, it's a, well, rather, it's a pigsty, if we're honest. And your girlfriend's parents are coming over. What are you going to do to your apartment? You're going to do a 180, aren't you? You're going to clean that thing up because you don't want your girlfriend's parents thinking their daughter's marrying a, a slob. You're going to do a 180. What, what has always been a wreck, and there's, no, I mean, dishes, you don't do dishes, you haven't done clothes, you haven't changed your sheets, and I don't know how long, wash your towel. All that's going to change. Why? Because the girlfriend's parents are showing up. You're going to do a 180. All right? That's what John the Baptist is saying. God's showing up in a very unique way, in an unprecedented way. We're looking for a 180, people. We're looking for a 180. Well, who is this John the Baptist? Verse 3, Matthew summarizes for us. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. We spent the last four weeks in Advent, and, and we said it's a time of preparation to think again about Jesus. And to do that, we looked at the book of Isaiah, and we talked about the fact that Isaiah, God predicted that uh, through the prophet Isaiah that, that Israel was going to go into captivity through Babylon, and that was really sad news in Isaiah 39. But then in Isaiah 40, there was a change. Oh, comfort, oh, comfort my people. And, and, and the reason they were to be comforted was that God was going to do a mighty work. For 70 years, they would go into captivity, but then he was going to raise up a new world power, uh, Persia, and there would be a man named Cyrus, and God named him 170 years before the fact. He would bring liberty. He would let the people go back 
So, so this verse from Isaiah 40, verse 3, this is what Matthew's quoting. There's a great work of God coming, but what we understood is that was a, an immediate fulfillment of the prophecy, but there was a greater fulfillment of a work of God. And, and that looks forward to Jesus. The freeing of the people from Babylon was just a foreshadowing of God freeing his people from sin. And so John the Baptist is the one being sent, the voice crying in the wilderness, hearkening back to those days in Isaiah, but saying now that there's the final fulfillment of it. God's going to do an unprecedented work in which he offers freedom to his people. John's description, verse four, now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around the waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. As I mentioned, there were a number, many, many prophets in the Old Testament of God. A few stood out. One prophet that stood out was Elijah. And, and John, in his appearance and in his diet and in his lifestyle, mirrors Elijah. Elijah lived in a time when, and when Israel was into paganism, and, and he challenged the prophets of, of Baal, the false god, and he challenged Queen Jezebel and her king. Well, John is like that. He, he, he lives a very solitary life. And, and his appearance was sudden, like Elijah's was. And he was not afraid, as we'll see, to challenge the powers that be. And most of all, he had an uncompromising message. Like the Old Testament prophet, John the Baptist's message is uncompromising. You need to repent. Because God's showing up. You need to do a 180. Because God's coming on the scene like he's never come on the scene. Verse 5, it says, Then Jerusalem was going out to him. Remember, John the Baptist is in the wilderness, and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan. Look, if we're going to bring in, if we have no limit on budget, and we want to bring in a public speaker in, in the Lincoln era, we're going to Pinnacle Bank, aren't we? And we're going to run buses. And if you need to get down there, we'll provide transportation, and we're going to set the climate just right. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. We got the padded seats, because we want a good turnout if we're bringing this, this speaker in. And we have John the Baptist didn't do any of that. He, he was where the people weren't. They were going to have to come to him. And he, John isn't really dressing for success. Kind of a wild man. So then why were the people coming out to him? You can't miss the anointing of God. You can't miss the hand of God. People sense something. So they're going out to him. What were they doing? And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. Now here's John, the first one to baptize others. Why? Because they're responding to his message. They're confessing their sin. They're confessing their rebellion, and they're turning around. They say, I want to walk towards God. So this is a foreshadowing of the baptism service Daniel talked about. We are recognized that, that people have made a, a conversion. They had rejected God, and now they've accepted him in Christ. And where they were walking away from him, they were now moving towards him. The, the Bible commands baptism for the believer as the first act of obedience. I want to go public with what has gone on inside of me. 
Well, that's what John's calling the people to do. Go public with the 180. I've been walking away, and I'm going to walk towards God. See, we're asking this question, how should Jesus' choice to live among us impact us? Here's what I'd say. It should move us to do a 180. Move us to do a 180 from rebellion to submission. We're doing a one because Jesus showed up and we're thinking about the new year and we're thinking about what, what might our life look like. We're going to do a 180 from rebellion to submission. Now that certainly starts with a de- salvation decision. I have been living in rebellion to God just like Adam and Eve. I, I've taken on that tendency and I've decided I'm no longer going to do that. I understand Jesus came According to the plan of God, he died and he rose again, and, and I'm going to live in submission to him. That, that, that's, that's the first step in living this out. But I had a friend a long time ago tell me, uh, salvation is an event, and it's a process. Because see, as we go on, God gets areas of our lives and said, puts his hand on that. You need to, Andy, that needs to change. That needs to change. And that could be in any area of your life. So, This spring, May-ish, we were kind of coming out of the pandemic, at least for the short term. And for me, it had been very stressful for, for a number of reasons. And uh, I had coped with that stress by, by, by eating more than I should have, honestly. And in May, I said to my wife, I said, Hope, I, I, I've weighed, I'm weighing the most I've weighed in 20 years. This is not good stewardship of my health. And I had turned 60 during the pandemic, and my dad had a uh, debilitating stroke at 70. Uh, both my grandfathers had died of a stroke, so it's kind of like, you don't need to be an MD to figure out my medical history. Because of God's gifting of my life, I, 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 in, in giving stewardship of the health he's given me, I, I need to do a 180. I, I need to turn around in what I'm eating, and then change the kind of exercise I'm doing, a, a different intensity level. But, but that's an example of uh, an area I need to do 180. You know, have I done a complete 180? No, yeah, it's kind of, I, I intend to, but sometimes it's 165, sometimes it's 140. I'm, I'm not perfect in this. So maybe for you it's not in that area, but maybe it's in the amount of time you're spending on a screen. If, if you're honest, you're spending a lot more time on your screen than you are in your Bible. And your, your worldview is being affected by culture, media, entertainment, movies. I don't know what it is. You need to do 180 there. You need to reallocate your time. Maybe uh, for you, the 180 is a spending, your use of money. Um, fact of the matter is it's, it's out of control, and your credit cards are this and that, and, and if, if you're honest, you're a slave. You're, you're not free. You're a slave to your finances and your, your spending appetites, and you need to wrestle with how would God have you use the money He's allocated to you? Certainly, you have personal needs and physical needs, but the I, places at the time you go out to eat, the, the, the stuff you do, uh, you know, maybe you need to rethink that and do a 180 in the way you use your money. John is calling people to, to radically consider 
Jesus showing up, this is not just nice, get me into heaven. This is, your life is going to change. We're talking a 180 here. Well, as I said, John the Baptist mirrored Elijah, the Old Testament prophet, in a lot of ways. And, and one of those ways was he was not afraid to take on the powers that be. And we see that in verses 7 through 10. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, now those are the religious leaders. Remember, Israel is a theocracy. So these leaders not only have spiritual authority, but they have civil authority. Coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers. Now, you're not going to get that at how to win friends and influence people. John, John didn't read that book there. These are the, the people in power, and he calls them snakes. Why? Snakes, for the most part, lie in lurking. Then all of a sudden, they lash out, and they, you're unsuspecting. They catch you. I mean, if you knew the snake was there, you would go the other way. I think that John is saying here, you guys, you religious leaders, you're snakes and that people perceive you as not being dangerous, but in reality, you got a bite that infects a whole lot of poison, a whole lot more poison than a snake. So he calls these people because they're not coming out because they want to do a 180. They're coming out for show. All the people are going out there. And remember, they have been gra granted religious liberty by the Roman rulers, but if, if they are perceived as not being able to control the crowds, maybe the Romans step back in and take their power from them. So John calls them out, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. What he's saying is, you claim to have repented. You claim to have turned and be following God, but man, I look at your life and I ain't seeing it, not even close. You claim to be repentant? I don't think so. Or if you are, you better take a good look at your life because your actions aren't showing it. And, he says, verse 9, do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. A couple things there. Don't think like God really needs me. Religious leaders, don't think God has to have you because here's the deal. God can lay you out and he can raise up worshipers from these stones. Remember, he's the one that spoke life into existence. Don't think God needs us. Verse 10. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees, therefore every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That could be you who claim to be following God and are not. You know, go back to that. We have Abraham for our father. These people thought, well, I, I, I'm born of a lineage. I'm born in Jewish tradition. But John's saying, hey, there's no spiritual grandchildren because your mama and your daddy and your grandma and your granddaddy were followers of Jesus doesn't automatically bring you in. It's a choice you have to make. You have to do a 180. You're not getting in on your parents or your grandparents. You make that choice, and let me see repentance that shows your choice is legit. See, John is not <laughs> afraid of the power structures. He speaks out against them. Verse 11, he says, for, As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. 
but he, talking about Jesus who is coming after me, is mightier than I. I am not fit to remove his sandals. That was the most humble of positions. And John said, the difference is so great. He, I can't even do that. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. See, we believe that everybody that comes to faith in Jesus is baptized with the Holy Spirit in their life immediately at salvation. Given a new spirit, a new nature, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God takes up residence in the person's life and all of a sudden that spirit is beginning to convict and direct and empower. And we have a choice of whether or not to submit to God's Spirit. But before this decision, the Spirit of God is not, has not taken up residence in our life. And again, we're talking about our baptism service. We're, when we talk about that, uh, we're talking about the fact that these people have come to faith and they are now empowered by the Holy Spirit and they have done that 180. Verse 12, his winnowing, winnowing fork is in his hand and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor and he will gather wheat into the barn, but he will burn the chaff with an unquenchable fire. That talks about one day God will judge. Separate the wheat from the chaff. All of us are together, but at the judgment, God will, in a sense, throw the, the product in the air and some will be blown off and some will settle on the floor. The chaff, it, it will be burned. The rest will be harvested into eternity. There is a judgment coming. And John wants people to be ready. We need to do that 180. So again, we are at the time of the new year. Next Saturday. We're, we're six days out, and a lot of us think about what will 2022 look like, and this is what I want, and that's what I want. As you consider your resolutions, would you consider those in light of the fact that God chose to live among us for 30-plus years? And John has helped us understand what that means. It means we need to do a 180 in our lives. Now, we can't do that without the power of the Holy Spirit. It starts there. We need to be willing to submit to Him. But as He directs and empowers, God can change our character. He can change our nature. And again, that may look real different in your life. For some of you, it may be coming to faith for the first time. For others, it, it may be, again, rethinking of how I allocate my time, how I allocate my money. It, it may be thinking about, I, I need to get out of a relationship. I've been dating somebody who is not following Jesus, and I know that is not in line with God's thing, and that's a painful thing, but I need to do a 180 on that. For others, it may be, I need to pick a new group of friends because they are taking me a different way. For some of you, it may think, I may need to look at a new job because the job is requiring 70 hours a week and I can't continue to do that and, and fulfill the biblical mandates to be a husband or a wife and a father or a mother. Or these. I don't know. But as you think about a resolution, it's, it's God calling us to a 180 to move from rebellion to submission. The other day, we had some, well, that was actually yesterday, we had some friends over and uh, celebrating Christmas together. And, and one of these guys, uh, he's got family up in Virginia, and, and so he doesn't live very far from Washington, D.C. 
And he says, on, on this occasion, uh, we were walking, he was there with his kids walking, when all of a sudden, uh, the presidential motorcade comes by, and all of a sudden, a whole bunch of people with some heavy guns step up, and, and the way is cleared. Because that's how it is with the president. You don't get close. For security reasons, that they need to do this. And, and, and the understanding is that the president just doesn't show up and mingle among us. That, that's just protocol. You, you, you step back and you, and you, you give way. That's, that's how it works. If that's true with the president, how much more with the creator? But our creator defied that at Christmas, didn't he? He didn't say, clear the way. He said, get ready. I'm showing up. And I'm going to walk among you. And why is it we clear the way for the president? Well, we're afraid of somebody taking a shot, right? Well, Jesus showed up knowing somebody was going to take a shot. He, he knew. It wouldn't be a shot, but it'd be a nail. A couple through his arms, a couple through his feet, and he'd be crucified. He showed up anyway. And he dwelt among us. There's no greater dignitary than, than God himself. And yet he chose to break convention and live among us. That, that, that ought to get some kind of response from us. How should Jesus' choice to live among us impact us? I'd say this. It should move us to do a 180 from rebellion to submission. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, uh, we are on the cusp of a new year. Would you um, help us wrestle again with, with what maybe you would like 2022 to look like for us? And, and where is it that we need to do a 180, move from rebellion, and begin to submit? Holy Spirit, uh, we thank you that you've taken up residence in our lives. That, that, that's the promise, that when we come to faith, you baptize us in the Holy Spirit, and now you are uh, present in our lives, empowering and directing, that we might be responsive to you, that we might follow your leading. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.